Hello, welcome to the Healthcare Marketing Underground podcast for the week of May 29th, 2015. This is episode 259, and I am Chris Bevelo, EVP at Revive Health. Uh, joining me today are uh, Adam Meyer of Revive Health, Chris Boyer of Revive Health, <laughs> and Dana Weymouth, Revive Health. We spent 20 minutes settling who was going to go in what order, and we still didn't get it right. We are a sad, sad state of affairs. Other than that, how are you guys doing? Not too bad. My voice is back yeah. the last couple of weeks. I destroyed my voice two episodes ago right before the show, so I wasn't able to be on. And then last week, I was still recovering. So now I'm back. I've still got a bit of a cough, but it's... Uh, it's back. Yay, Adam's back. Yeah. Great to have Adam back. <laughs> and great to have Chris back, too. Have we posted last week? So I haven't heard it yet. Yeah. Just posted. Yeah. Excellent. Just posted. To tune in. Yeah, it, it, was, it was hard uh, hard assuming your role there, Chris. You're the, you're the consummate host of this podcast. I'm the consummate host? <laughs> yes, you are. The consummate <laughs> You even know what you guys know what consomme is, Adam and Dana. Why do I feel like that's an old person thing? Because it came from you. Nice. (laughs) Define consomme. It's a soup. It's a kind of soup. Oh yeah, beef consomme. It's a delicious soup. It is. It is just like you as a host. That should be some. That should be new jargon for us. Marketing consomme. <laughs> That's perfect. It is perfect. Okay, uh, let's see. Should we? Let's not talk about speaking engagements. We go on a long time about that. If you're interested in learning where we're speaking, you can go to Revive Health. Think Revive Health. Uh, where we have that listed, and you can find all kinds of other good stuff there as well. So let's just dive into some fun stuff. What do you say? Sounds good. All right. So let's, let's talk about this uh, article that's called this website um, is basically Yelp for hospitals. And this is really interesting because when I first read this, I'm like, is this from 2007? Mm-hmm. Uh, because of the way it's written. Uh, let me just, I'll just read the intro and then we'll talk about the concept. Uh, it says using websites like Yelp, people can look up ratings and reviews for virtually any restaurant or bar. But what about hospitals? where the quality of treatment is far more important than checking whether the Caesar salad is any good. (laughs) On Wednesday, a new website premiered that lets you check how good a hospital is. But instead of relying on reviews by the public, it rates hospitals based on data from the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, or CMS, which collects information about all medical facilities that receive Medicare or Medicaid funds. So... I'm being, you can tell by the tone of my voice. <laughs> um, this is obviously a reporter who is not familiar with healthcare, doesn't understand mm-hmm. about 37 websites that already exist that do exactly what this is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but for whatever reason, seems to be writing about it as if this is this, you know, brand new discovery. Uh, now, I'll let you guys talk. What about this? Um, does somebody else want to jump in and give a little bit more detail about what it is and, and why you think? It's different than what else is out there, or is it different than what else is out there? Well, I mean, I found the article, and I and and when I forwarded it on to everyone, I said that's it's so funny because Yelp does exist for hospital ratings as well. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> that's <what I> mean. <laughs> I, you 
know, there's a lot of hospitals that are rated on Yelp right now. So I thought it was kind of funny. Um, I, I, I probably have a little bit more intimate knowledge about um, dealing with ratings of hospitals online using center CMS data, um, having worked at organizations that do that before in the past. Um, and I, much like you, Chris, I said, okay, what is the angle of this? Why are, why is this suddenly like a big deal? What are they doing differently? Right. Um, and I think it, it outlines, it's using three data points um, that, that to determine the hospital rating, the three areas are what the hospital's emergency room, patient satisfaction scores and inpatient cost efficiency. Those are the three data points. Now, of the 37 aforementioned sites, you know, that are out there, I would assume they're probably more like 60, but only 37 that we know of. Um, I think that, uh, you know, they all use different types of data in different ways. And this is the first time I've actually seen these three data points put together into uh, to one site. So that's kind of interesting. Um, although I have no idea why those three points were actually chosen. Um, I'm not really sure what that means. Does that does that actually uh, are those actually good indicators of how good of a hospital is? I don't know. Well, it goes. I mean, there's again, there's so many challenges with this kind of stuff. Um, it's like any kind of hospital rating, you know, top 100 or whatever. Uh, especially when it's a aggregated rating like C plus. So I'm looking at North Memorial Medical Center. I just picked them because they're local. Um, they show up in here as a C plus. Well. First of all, we're looking at three different things, you know, so the only one that seems to be specific in any way is the emergency room information. I'm not sure how they're coming up with that, um, where, you know, they're pulling from CMS, but um, it, it's so difficult to make a judgment based on that one C plus because, you know, is it a C plus across the entire organization? No. Is it, is a 100 top hospital awesome across all services? No. So it's, it's really simplified to a point to be almost unuseful. So that's the first thing I'd say. Mm -hmm. What about others, Dan or, or Adam? What's your take on this? Yeah, I, I don't know. I come, I, I, I look at it from, from the, from the, viewpoint of, you know, would I find this valuable myself? And I, I don't know that it, it's just, it's tough to, I don't know that I would turn to a resource like this for this type of information. You know, I turned to Amazon for reviews on products and because I shop there, I'd probably would shop at Amazon, even if the reviews weren't there, cause it's just convenient. Um, but for something like this, I, I don't know. I've never turned to reviews for this information. I've turned to other people who have opinions who I know and I trust, um, who are either in healthcare or who are friends and who have been through, you know, something, or I reach out on Facebook to friends to see who is, you know, uh, where, where have you gone for this or that? Um, so that's, that's where I turn, you know, maybe I'll turn to one of these sources someday. So it's, it's hard. For, I feel like it's hard for me to gauge it. Cause I just don't know that I would use it personally. Adam literally took word for word <laughs> feelings <laughs> and thoughts. And so now I'm just sitting here staring dumbly uh, well, go ahead, Dana. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, I think um, I was just thinking about, do I use Yelp that much for, um, you know, it's a cool app. It's helpful. But honestly, I still, for, for food, if I'm going to a, a city, I'd much rather find 
um, you know, someone that's been there before and talk to them personally about it or on Facebook, you know, the old classic, Hey, I'm going to New York city. You know, everyone send me their opinion, you know? Um, so basically what Adam was saying, uh, and when you're looking for something even more serious and important, I still tend to, uh, trust word of mouth. So yeah, part of me, when I was reading this article, I said, well, I know this isn't really new news and also don't know how, useful it is to me, but maybe if they did it right, it would be. Well, what's interesting is they're just taking CMS data and repurposing it. Their website is very pretty. They've (laughs) they've used some really cool visuals. um, And I think that's part of what they probably think is appealing. Um, I I will say there's a flaw in their basic visual um, frame work which is they use color to dictate percentile. Um, But they do not really state when you say percentile, what do they mean, right? I don't see that anywhere. Percentile ranks among medium to high volume. It doesn't say, oh, higher is better. Okay, thank you. That's in like an aside (laughs) because it's so visual oriented at the bottom, right? There's There's kind of a heat map or a a bubble map is what we would call it that shows like the hospital you're looking at in comparison to other hospitals in terms of, I'm not sure what, like the, the different hospitals are different size bubbles and they're different color bubbles. Um, and the, the colors represent a certain percentile, like maroon is zero to 20%, um, orange is 20 to 40 and so on. Uh, what's interesting to me here. So I'm looking at North Memorial, right? And, and it shows you all the different hospitals, I would assume, that are within, like, 50 miles or 100 miles or something. There's probably 40 hospitals here, um, so including the Mayo Clinic. None of them are in the 60 to 80 or 80 to 100. So according to this data, there's not a single hospital in the Twin Cities, including the Mayo Clinic or surrounding areas, that's in the top 40, 40 percentile, which I find extraordinarily difficult to believe hmm. if I'm reading the color chart, right? Does yeah, that make it, sense to you guys? It, it does. Does that mean, is that a good thing that they're in the top 40% or is that a bad thing? That's no. the hard part for me to understand. Well, that's what it said earlier. It said that um, percentile ranks among medium to higher volume emergency departments, higher is better, which, okay. which is what you would assume, right? When you did your, you know, like if you did tests when you're in school, you'd want to be the 99th percentile, not the 10th mm-hmm. percentile. Um, it, it basically means your score is higher than 99% of the other people. But when I look down below at how all these Minnesota hospitals are ranked, um, it says North Memorial is in the 12th percentile, which I, I, again, find it very hard to fathom that they're in the 12th percentile mm-hmm. across the board of all hospitals. Mm-hmm. Um, but no hospital in Minnesota, there's only – six that are even above the 40th percentile and there's none that are above the 60th, which means wow. if you're grading it by like a letter grade, all Minnesota hospitals get a D or worse. Oh, and I just, sorry, not with Mayo Clinic here, not with Abbott here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've got some very strong hospitals. We have a strong healthcare system here. So that's doesn't line up with what I know. I think that isn't that that bubble map around inpatient cost efficiency. It might be. Yeah, I think that's what it's titled above. It's hard to tell. I mean, pretty. It looks pretty, but it's hard to tell. I, I'll tell you what. I know who's going to 
find the most value out of this data? The salespeople that actually sell the product that this site is hosted by. Oh, there's a product you say. There is. <laughs> there are, well, this is this site is sponsored by a company called Analytics MD, and what they do is they provide um, uh, a variety of solutions to help hospitals um, use data to improve their cost efficiency. Well, isn't that convenient? Yeah, and so th- so maybe um, you know, as if you're a hospital in Minnesota, looking through this and realize that your cost efficiency is none of your none of the hospitals here are in the top percentile. Maybe you would follow that, uh, fill out that form at the bottom of that graph that says, "Hey, contact us so you can learn more about our solutions." Oh yes, well we always love that kind of setup, don't we? Yes, we do. And that's, I think that's the main point here. I mean, it's just like every other rating organization that's out there. There's, they have some kind of skin in the game. These people are putting this data together in a certain way to have skin in, because they're, they're trying to sell a solution. I mean, if you look at any of these rating organizations, they have, there, there is a reason why they're putting that information out there. I really wish that these companies would, would go after helping to share good data to improve the common good. But my personal taint against all of this stuff is that um yeah i said taint um is uh (laughs) is is that these guys are are doing it for a different purpose there's a you know there's a a hidden motive um, a hidden motive yeah I, i don't think it was always that way like leapfrog always came across to me as an organization that was doing it for the better good until they started forcing people to pay to use leapfrog in their marketing um, it's just a, it's a gold rush. This is just another somebody's, I mean, I wish I would have invented hospital awards 20 years ago because I'd be retired by now mm-hmm. because you can cause so much pain and force them to either buy your awards and when they win or sell them the solution to fix it. Um, this sure seems like just another one. So kudos to, to um, analytics MDs PR department for getting time magazine to write about this. And, and um, anti-kudos to Time Magazine for showing up 15 years late to the party and not really understanding what's behind all this. Mm-hmm. How's that for cynical? Can you tell us before lunch? We have, <laughs> we have had donuts, though. So We have had donuts, yeah. <laughs> well, and where do you think they're getting this information? This is solely based on survey? CMS. So it's coming out of the CMS. It's information that you could get from CMS directly mm-hmm. if you wanted to, because it's all public information. Um, so you could go to hospital connect, uh, which is the with kind of the ratings reporting website. Mm-hmm. Is it hospital connect? That's not it. It's um, no, um, uh, what is it? Oh, you're close. Hold on. It's hospital compare. Something hospital like compare. Dot gov. Yeah. Right. So you can get all that data there. Um, they're just repurposing it into these pretty charts and then selling people on using it. Like frustrated parents. They're in the 50 percentile. It's like, that's right. What does that mean? It's like five it's just, of the people that gave information or six of the people, three of them were frustrated. Well, CMS rates it. I mean, CMS does use survey data from patients, but they also use other clinical data that's provided by the hospital. So it's not just Yelp information that's out there. Um, But again, it's so simplified and it's, and it's, 
this is just again number 37 or 38 in the website listings or you know websites that are available to rate hospitals so i don't really see anything new here but and and by the way it's not like yelp yelp is done by no scientific purpose it's, it's not writing yeah. reviews there's no reviews on this site at all no this isn't this is not yelp at all this is this is taking from one source and redisplaying it whereas yelp takes from all the different people that have experienced it and it's it's basically wisdom of the crowds versus you know some data source so we're wagging our fingers at time magazine for writing such a bad article or whatever the revive health. What, what what should we be wagging at them? The mortar of the pest of the mortar pestle. What? <laughs> the mortar and the pestle. You know the the that that sign that we have up in our office. The pestle. Pestle. That's the pestle, isn't it? Yeah. So we're wagging our pestle at Time Magazine. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's your title right there. There's your podcast title: Wagging Our Pestle. Which you know what actually brings up a point that I'd like to, to share right now. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a very pestle heavy podcast. <laughs> it is. About, you know, <laughs> inviting some non males to join us on a regular basis. <laughs> well, we had, we had Christy last week, but uh, okay, yeah. yeah, I wasn't there for that. You know, Jackie's normally part of this. So yes. she's yeah. out with her maternity leave. So we'll have to fix that. Yeah. She'll be back soon, but yeah, that's a good idea. Okay, so let's move on to the next topic du jour, which is an article called Mobile Isn't Killing the Desktop Internet. Mm. Uh, who, who floated this one? This is, a, this is from Wall Street Journal, another reputable source. Reputable. Yes, yes. Uh, this one popped up in my Twitter feed. Actually, it pop, popped up on Dig in the little. I've got Dig connected to Twitter so that any time that there's a link that's shared multiple times in Twitter, it'll kind of rise to the top in this little secondary feed on Dig for me, which I didn't know if I would like at first. But now that I've got it set up, it's really handy. I actually refer to it a lot to see what's kind of been popular from the people I follow. Uh, and this was one uh, article that was making the rounds the other day. Um so it's short. It's a it's definitely a quick read. Uh, but the title kind of kind of. I mean, I, well, I was going to say the title kind of says it all. But if you really dig in, you can kind of analyze the the the, the findings in in different ways. And I think that's what we'll talk about today. But yeah, the title is "Mobile Isn't Killing the Desktop Internet," um, and the uh, the 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 writer's um, point when you read through this short article is just. You know, mobile is has has made a huge entrance. It's it's becoming more and more um, dominant, I think. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it's killing um, desktop usage. Uh, we're still seeing uh, plenty of usage there as well mm-hmm. of the web. That is right. I mean, this graph is kind of interesting. It shows uh, the the use of desktop, which is pretty much. Uh, it's it's level. It's growing steadily, but very you know very steady, but um, then it has a second line that kind of overlies on top of it and shows the mobile use and how that's kind of growing and expanding. And, and uh, Chris, you came up with a good point when you were looking at this. Well, it, it just seems, you know, I'm just like a, I'm like Sherlock Holmes with data, any kind of read data. Cause I can feel like I can dig in and, and look at it different ways. And the point of this article is really that, um, and, I, and I think it's true that like, you know, we shouldn't expect desktop to go away. Um, the comment that the share of overall consumption coming from mobile devices is growing, but desktop web uses isn't dropping. In fact, it might be increasing. I don't think it's really increasing. 
Um, if you look at February February from 2013 to uh, February 2015, it's the exact same. It's a right, flat right. line over, over two years. So it's not increasing. Um, what they seem to be inferring here is that, hey, you know, obviously mobile's added on top of desktop uh, and desktop will continue to grow. Um, and I guess my point was, <laughs> uh, yes, you could look at it that way in terms of a positive commentary about desktop, or you could look at it like, what if mobile didn't exist? Where would desktop be? Because over the last two years, you've also seen an explosion in online shopping. And maybe going back even a little bit further than that, um, you've obviously seen an explosion in social media. So you've seen an explosion in just people using the internet and overall time in the internet. Um, and my guess would be is if there was not a mobile option, if there was no mobile line here, you would see a much stronger, higher, and and positive trending desktop line. So to say it's not killing the desktop, I'm not sure I agree with that. It's certainly not going to go away. It's not going to kill it, but it's definitely negative impacting. Even if you can look at desktop and see that it's flat, um, that flat is to me a negative compared to where it would be. I guess that's my point. Hmm. Interesting. I, I, you know, I, I'm not sure. I kind of, I might take it a different way in that, you know, mobile and on, on these sort of the internet of things. I'm not sure how they define mobile here either, by the way. Does it, it says mobile devices. And this is, I would assume, phones, tablets. But does that now include like watches and other things that are internet ready? Um, I'm not sure. But um, I think that those devices, as we release them into the, into the marketplace, that gives more and more opportunity for people to access the internet. Uh, you know, if we had to walk around carrying our, our laptops just to, you know, check things while we're waiting in line at the coffee shop, that would be, I'm not sure I would do that, you know? No. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, I, I've seen people do that. I, I, I have seen people take pictures at the museum this weekend with their iPads. And I think, oh. you know, one of my pet peeves. They're either under 10 years old or over 70, guaranteed. <laughs> over 70 in this case yes but um but the point is though it's it's uh you know i think that now that we have so many more access uh, ways to get to the internet we're going to see all these other devices just kind of continually to explode um you know well we can't forget too that mobile has made the internet available to an audience that it you know wasn't necessarily available to before uh, there are people who don't have desktop computers. There are people who, mm-hmm. uh, you know, underserved populations who now are on the, are online because they have a phone. They've had a phone. It's one of the things they prioritize as as an expense in life or have access to it through other means. Um, but now are on the internet and are able to do things that they weren't able to do before, which is awesome. Uh, so I think that you know I don't know how much that plays into these numbers, but it certainly has uh, an impact. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I, w- I will say to the point of the article um, where I have some agreement is there's times when I'm on my mobile device, mainly my iPhone, where I, I'm just, it's just not working um, the way that I would like, you know, example to bring back healthcare into it. Like I'm trying to get some information about who's a network for a doctor. That's a nightmare on your phone. But then you go onto your desktop and you search and you can find you know, reviews and you can find names and it, and it goes a lot better. I think maybe taking that to even opening up an article, I think we talked about this before when you're kind of trying to move it around with your screen and try to get all the words in. I'm like, okay, if I'm going to actually read this, I'm going to have to move over to my desktop. Um, so I think in that sense, 
if you're really thinking about the literal word of being killed, I don't think we're, I mean, we're going to use our laptops and our desktops. Uh, they're getting better. They're getting lighter. Um, you know, but Adam, I totally agree with you. The, the reason that the mobile is going up is because it's reaching such a bigger, um, audience, uh, people that, you know, can't afford desktops to, um, you know, just everyone, five years and up, it seems like have one nowadays, you know? So that, that's, yeah, I, I think to that point, um, I can agree with our article. It's probably overstating, uh, Chris Bevelo to your point, the fact that, uh, de- desktop's not doing much though to improve its status. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what we're looking at. Yeah. And, and I think, um, Oh, th- this is a quote from our friends at Chartbeat. Uh, where he says the key thing to remember is that this isn't a zero sum game, and and I think that I think eventually it will be a zero sum game. There's only so many hours in the day. I suppose you could be, you could you know always add another device. You could be sitting here with your laptop and surfing on your phone and an iPad, and so from that sense you could, you could just continue to add on. Um, but that's not really what's going to happen. But but I certainly myself doing that yesterday. By the way, why I was watching television. <laughs> And at the same time, I was shopping online, and then I got a text message. And I, I stopped myself, and I said, I'm using three devices right now. What's going on with me? Well, and that's pretty common, right? I mean, I think that's common. But that's what I mean. At some point, that stops, right? You're not going to use four or five. Um, but but I think I think to your point, Dana, you know, and what other people are talking about, too, desktop's not going away. But I don't think that when we go out there and, and talk about mobile, that we're suggesting that it's going away. What we're suggesting is what's exactly on this chart, which is we're almost at a point, according to this, where there's half again as many um, minutes spent online on mobile devices as there is on desktop. So, so much of our, you know, of our audience is not prepared for that. They're still in a desktop world. You, you would obviously want to prioritize mobile given the information that's right in this article. doesn't mean you ignore desktop. We would never suggest that you only have, I don't even know how this would work, right? You only have a mobile website and not a desktop website. That doesn't even make any sense, right? But, uh, you know, I don't think that's a suggestion. So, mm-hmm. so okay. Mm-hmm. There you go. Cool. All right, so how are we doing on time? We just got a few more minutes. Is there anything fun we want to talk about before we're done? You want to talk about that article I sent about Inbox Zero? Oh, uh, we have covered this before, but we can we can do a recap on it because um, we did a whole podcast on this, didn't we, Adam? I think so. I, I mean, I know email has come up a number of times, um, just in terms of its impact on productivity, or it's just it's it, your frustrations with it. And I think we had a show, maybe it was around the time that that new mailbox app came out, and we were just talking about apps, and that came up um, mm-hmm. where we talked about the concept of in, inbox oh, zero. Right. So let's um, first let's just do this by a, by a show of yes or no, and we'll go in the order that we introduced ourselves. <laughs> are you as are you, do you aim? to try to get to zero in your inbox? Yes or no? I'm a yes. I am a yes. I aim for it. Okay, I'm not... I, no, I fail no, just, sometimes, Yes but or I no is your it. aim. We'll, get, we'll give you a chance to give some context. <laughs> Dana, yes or no? No way. No. Okay, boys, no. And Dana? No. Okay, so ooh, we're half and half. So, um, Adam, I don't know why you and I, we've talked about it. Let's give Chris and Dana a chance to, to at least weigh in on why they don't do that. Either you don't care, you don't think it's possible. Why is it not a, a, a goal of yours? Uh, 
In part, it's because I haven't found a good way to kind of sort and, and keep, my, keep the information that comes over uh, to me via email so that I can quickly reference it later. It seems so much easier to keep my emails in my inbox um, and just be able to just do a quick search in the inbox to find something because inevitably someone refers to an email or something that they said in one email, um, you know, three weeks ago. And that's the quickest way is I could just kind of plug in the search terms and find it. Okay, um, wait, wait, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. What email software do you use? Um, I use uh, Outlook. Okay, so can't you search all of your email? Why do you need to search just your inbox? I could search all my email, but I haven't found the right sorting system, right, to, to do that quite yet. Um, and I've, I've tried multiple different ways to do that, create different, you know, different folders, different sorting, that stuff. I've, cre- I've tried saving emails to my, to my desktop, you know, as like sort of a repository and then search my desktop. I know I, it's just, it's, a, it's, I haven't found the right way to do that. So, so maybe this is, I don't use Outlook. Maybe you do too, Dana. I'll give you a second here, but like I use mail. So Apple mail, um, and I can drag all of my, you know, I get rid of my emails by putting them in the draft or the archive, archive. So that's how I, so they're there. They're not in my face and in my inbox or archive, which means I'm done with them. But if I want to search for them, I can go back there. Yeah. So Dana, what about you? Why, why are you not a zero sum person? Zero. I just did, I did a quick answer just because I'm, I'm right in between. So I, I, being the IT manager, I I clean up my inbox continually, and I'm always checking the the performance and size of the um, inbox because if if you do just keep it in that um, central area, you're gonna have tons of problems. What I do is a little unique compared to what I've read out there, or what you know, like the what what everyone's doing of of kind of that sorting. I will work probably through a couple weeks and then I dump it into what I call my year folders. So right now I have a 2015 um, folder that all my 2015 emails go into. I have a folder that's 2014 and so on. So it's, it's a little less of what I think they're really describing. I kind of do a delayed, you know, inbox zero in the sense that I eventually get it there but to Boyer's point, there is a little bit, because there's so many conversations and little things, Outlook does search your whole inbox, but it's just actually a lot easier if it's in that main um, inbox for the first like week or so. It's just for whatever reason. Maybe it's just how I'm wired. I find it faster that way. Um, there's a lot of different tricks. You can use your spotlight. I won't get dorky on you, but there's a ton of ways to find it um, and, and to kind of beat down Boyer and I's argument. But it's funny, just you're so used to doing it a certain way, no, I, you know. I'm not trying to beat down your argument. I mean, it's, it's really, you could also push back and say, why the hell do you care if your inbox is zero? I mean, I know people who, who never move things out of their inbox, um, but, but I use my inbox indicator to let me know when I've got email and how much email. So my inbox right now says 55. That means there's 55 things I have to deal with. If I didn't clear it out of there, there could be 1,042, and that's meaningless to me. Um, and so that's why I do it. It's also psychologically awesome to get your, Z- yeah. your inbox down to zero because that means, okay, I'm caught up. And it, you know, by the next morning, it's up to 40 again. But uh, it, it is something that I strive for, and I get there maybe three or four times a month. 
at best. I think I would echo that exactly. That that's exactly, and I think I think you and I maybe got into the inbox zero thing right around the same time. So it was kind of fun to you know talk about just you know the, the tips and here's how it was working for you and here's how it was working for me. Um, at first, I've gotten myself to stay there no matter what, and I've switched email applications a couple of times, whether it's on my phone or on my on desktop. Uh, and I've I've kept that habit though. I've kept the habit of. Whether I've got some kind of a fancy interface like on my phone through the mailbox app to you know do some swiping to you know swipe it to archive if you go this far, swipe it to delete it if you take it a little bit further, or swipe it the other way and now you can say okay I'm going to come back to this on Monday or whatever. I don't I don't find myself using that a lot the kind of scheduling messages, but I do find myself no matter what email application I'm using, the stuff that's in my inbox is stuff I need to deal with. If it's if it's not something that I need to deal with, it's in my archive so I can get to it and look up things if I need to. But that no, it's it's that it's that number thing, and it's like you said, it's that psychological component of just feeling. You feel a bit refreshed when your inbox is at zero. You know, like like you said, like you're caught up. I guess by that definition, then actually, I need to say that I answered incorrectly by how Adam <laughs> described that. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm sorry. I need <laughs> a bit more coffee. My new answer is yes. I am. I do exactly what Adam does. So I apologize, podcast listeners. Uh oh, you're a failure. I, I am a failure. So well, Chris, Chris is you're the leaving me out. Yeah, you're leaving me out to dry here. But I mean, I would argue that what you guys are doing not, is not inbox zero. You're just moving them to a different folder. No, See, that, that is not inbox, inbox zero. It's a different. It's not folder. your inbox. Okay. You know, it's not about Fine. inbox zero. Isn't about deleting things. Fine. It's about getting them out of your inbox. Yeah, because so the inbox don't, don't is what I act them. on. I don't have to act on the other things. The other thing I'll say is I can't believe that you would spend time sorting emails. That just, that just makes my head explode. Like that would just take forever. And, and why, why would you sort emails? Well, either way, categorize, label, sort, why help me understand why, when you can just search for whatever you're looking for. You're right. You're right. Well, like I said, I've tried to me, I don't care that I have right now over a thousand emails sitting in my inbox because quite frankly, if they're not marked as unread, then they're just archived anyway. Sorry, Dana, our IT guy. Maybe I should archive them, right? <laughs> yes. We'll, we'll have a conversation. <laughs> We're going to have to take that offline. Okay. Um, uh, at the end of the day, you guys will be in good shape. At the end of the day, now that <laughs> I... me about that later. Really, what we have here is a consomme of email strategies. <laughs> yeah. Well, now what I'm realizing is that I didn't really think about my answer. And that's... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm totally in the Chris Bevelo Adam um, side of things. I got... Wow. I think wow. I have a bit of dyslexia or something because I totally answered opposite of what... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so anyways that, that's awesome that's gonna be, okay. gonna be fun for everyone we may edit out and put in my voice saying yes yes yeah you can edit it out yeah okay I, I think i think what is missing though from a lot of systems is an even better way of better a better tool set for searching for things a little more efficiently mm-hmm. um so i do think that that's where trying to figure, you know, Chris Boyer, you know, you're trying to find a system of categorizing mm-hmm. so that when you do need to find something, it's a little better than the standard search at times, or it works for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that, I think that's important because there's, there are definitely some things I still do. Even if I archive things, sometimes I might still have it flagged um, because I know, Hey, this thing has like a password in it that I, that I'm going to need at some point in time. So even though it's in my archive, I still have it flagged. Yeah. And maybe that password didn't make its way into like my one password software or whatever. 
Um, so there definitely are still little things that I'll do that I'll try to make when I need to search for something, make it a little more efficient. That's a really good point too. Actually, that's something I've used too is Evernote to grab some of those things and yep. and to avoid the sorting because yeah, that the sorting drives me crazy. I don't I don't See, enjoy even in Evernote, Dana. I started by creating a bunch of folders and moving stuff in there, and I don't do that at all anymore. I just create notes, and the only one I use it for is like expense reports. But then I manually do it when I'm doing expense reports. Otherwise. You know, I've got like a new client folder and a thought leadership folder and all. I've got like 40 folders. I never move notes into there because now I just search. Why? I know I know I want this article, search for it. That's quicker than remembering which folder I put it in and hoping it's there and all that. So anyway, well, this has been a great um, segment of our podcast brought to you by the Container Store, where organizing your life is brings you joy. <laughs> Uh, anyway, we should probably wrap up. That was that was a um, yep. a spirited spirited email debate. We'll work on Boyer, see if we can get him into the 21st century. I'm just gonna go delete all my emails right now. I think he should. Yeah. And go Please to e- Inbox Zero. <laughs> That's a great movie title too. Inbox Zero. That's kind of the way to start. The way to start with Inbox Zero is to take everything you've got there and archive it, and then start from here's. That's the day that you're gonna start Inbox Zeroing by. Moving, being good about moving things to the archive and keeping things in your inbox that you might need to, to still address. But I think you have to, that's where you got to start. That's where a lot of apps will start start you at. Don't delete it, just archive it. All right. Consider it done. All right. Excellent. <laughs> Words of wisdom from Adam. <laughs> okay. So you're ready to, move to, to, to call it a day to wrap it up? Put I think so. Let's wrap it up. To shut the door. To put the pestle in the mortar. Heyo. <laughs> that was not the cliche path I was on, but. <laughs> All right, let's wrap it up. Okay. So, are you ready? I can't. Yep. <laughs> yes. For healthcare marketing underground, this is Chris Bevelo. Adam Meyer. Chris Boyer. And Dana Weymouth. Talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.